Stannis Baratheon and Renly Baratheon, Cain and Abel, Scar and Mufasa. What do they have in common? They are all brothers. But not just that, they are all really close brothers that share strong sibling love. Ha! <laughs> Got you all. I was just joking. All of these brothers were the total opposite, with one killing the other to gain something. Stannis Baratheon killed Renly Baratheon for the throne in Game of Thrones, Cain killed Abel in the Bible out of jealousy, and Scar killed Mufasa in the Lion King to rule the Pride Lands. Why am I talking about all these things? Well, a famous fratricide, that's brother killing, event happened in ancient Chinese history that changed the course of Chinese history forever. What am I going to talk about today? You'll soon find out. G'day everyone, welcome to another episode of the Bamboo History Podcast. I'm your host, Stephen, and I'm bringing all of you another episode on Chinese and East Asian history. Remember everyone, if you haven't yet subscribed to my podcast, please do so right now. Don't forget to also follow my Instagram, where I've got additional visual content, as well as my website, where I've got additional blog content. Those details will be in the episode's description. I had to think of what to talk about this week, and I thought, I hadn't really talked about emperors for a while, so I decided that this week will be the week for an episode of a Chinese emperor, but more focused on how he got the power to become an emperor. Because this particular emperor wasn't actually supposed to be an emperor in the first place, He only was able to do so because, well, if you listen to my cold opening, he killed his brother to get the throne. The Chinese history fanatics might already know what this week's topic will be about. So strap your seatbelts, get your stubbies out, because today's topic will be about the famous Xuanwu Gate incident. The Xuanwu Gate incident is set in the year 626 CE on the 2nd of July. Xuanwu is spelt X-U-A-N-W-U, and in Chinese, this event is known as Xuanwu Menzhibian. Listeners, let's all cast ourselves to the city of Chang'an, which is the capital of the Tang Empire at the time. We are at the Imperial Palace at the Northern Gate which is called the Xuanwu Gate. It is the crack of dawn, and the sun isn't out yet. It is dead silent, save for the sound of rustling leaves and wind. The silence is broken by the noise of galloping, and soon two people riding horses emerge from view and approach the Xuanwu Gate. These two people are Li Jiancheng, spelt L-I-J-I-A-N-C-H-E-N-G, and Li Yuanji, spelt L-I-Y-U-A-N-J-I. 
now's the time for some context, right? In the year 626, the Tang Dynasty was still in its infancy. The Tang Dynasty had only been established eight years prior in the year 618 by Li Yuan, more famously known as the Emperor Gaozu of Tang, Gaozu spelt G-A-O-Z-U. Emperor Gaozu had four sons with his first wife, who was the Empress, and these four sons were his four eldest sons. They included his eldest son, Li Jiancheng, who was the crown prince and the person that would succeed Gaozu as the next emperor, and also Li Yuanji, who was the fourth son. His third son, Li Yuanba, had already died before the Xuanwu Gate incident. And what about the second son? Well, you're about to find out. So, Li Jiancheng and Li Yuanji have arrived at the foot of Xuanwu Gate. They came alone to the Xuanwu Gate at the orders of their father, Emperor Gaozu. Whilst historical accounts don't tell us how they felt at the time, I believe they would have been feeling very uneasy and uncomfortable at that point in time. You see, the reason they were summoned by their father was because Gaozu had received news that Li Jiancheng and Li Yuanji were messing around, you know, in that way, <laughs> with the concubines, who were the emperor's wives. Basically, what this means is that Emperor Gaozu got word that his sons were getting intimate with his own wives. And because this is a PG podcast, I won't get into too much detail of what this so-called intimacy is. I'll let you all figure out the rest. But what this news means is that Gaozu is really angry for his sons for doing that. But obviously, he isn't 100% sure that they are actually screwing around like that. I mean, everyone, including the princes, know that it is a big no-no to mess around with the emperor's wives. And Gaozu wasn't dumb enough to believe a simple tip-off like that. Now, do you think this tip-off is legitimate? Li Jiancheng and Li Yuanji certainly think that it's not real, and hence they've come to meet their father to explain themselves. So, as they were waiting, Li Yuanji notices that it is too quiet, save for the whoo wind noises, and begins to feel a bit nervous. This was when someone emerges from the shadows on a horse and approached the two princes. Who could this be? This person's name was Li Shimin, spelt L-I-S-H-I-M-I-N, and he is that second son of Gaozu that I didn't introduce to you earlier on. Li Shimin comes over to them and yells something at the two other princes, something along the lines of, TIME TO DIE! The two princes are stunned, like, what? Die? What? And were confused as hell. Confusion then quickly became shock when Li Shimin took out a bow and arrow and aimed it at his own brothers. The younger of the two, Li Yuanji, reacts and is able to move first, taking his bow and arrow in response to direct it at his older brother. But Li Shimin 
wasn't even paying attention to his younger brother. His eyes were fixed on his older brother, Li Jiancheng, who was still in shock and had not moved. Li Shimin's eyes locked intently on his older brother, steely eyes with the intent of killing his older brother. These three princes are all siblings, blood siblings, who grew up together. I mean, what has happened between the two of them that has made them want to kill each other? So, at the time when all of this was happening outside Xuanwu Gate, it was common knowledge that the older son, Li Jiancheng, and the second son, Li Shimin, did not get along. As I mentioned before, all three of these sons are the sons of Emperor Gaozu, Li Yuan, and his first wife, the Empress Tai Mu. When the brothers were growing up, the Sui dynasty ruled China at the time. Sui spelt S-U-I. The emperor of the Sui dynasty at the time was Emperor Yang, who is famously known as a despotic ruler, even though he was responsible for completing China's famous Grand Canal. You can hear more about that in episode 26 if you want. So anyway, Emperor Yang ran China down to the ground, and many people began rebelling against him. Emperor Gaozu, or Li Yuan at the time, because he wasn't the emperor back then, he was a commander of the northern Chinese city of Taiyuan at the time, and he was also funnily enough the first cousin of the Emperor Yang. They were related because Li Yuan's mum and Emperor Yang's mum were sisters, so that's a quite close familial relationship. And in fact, Li Yuan and the Emperor Yang were really close when they were kids, being first cousins but also playmates. And it was initially hard for Li Yuan to rise up against his cousin. But, eventually, in the year 617, he rose up to revolt against the emperor. And it was said that it was his second son, Li Shimin, who was the one that convinced his dad to rebel against the emperor. During the rebellion, Li Yuan's eldest sons, Li Jiancheng and Li Shimin, were the main commanders of his army. And during this period of time, both siblings were actually on good terms and cooperated well together on the battlefield. Although it was Li Jiancheng being the oldest son, he was still the lead commander in many of the battles. After Emperor Yang of Sui died in the year 618, murdered by his own general, Li Yuan declared himself as the new emperor becoming the Emperor Gaozu of the Tang Dynasty. But as I said earlier, there were many people who had risen up against the Sui, not just Li Yuan. So at the time, the newly formed Tang Dynasty was still very fragmented, and it was crucial for Li Yuan to wipe out the other rebels. He sent his second son, Li Shimin, to do this. And hence, because of this, Li Shimin would usually always be out and about, leading armies to wipe out the other rebels across China. Meanwhile, Li Jiancheng, the eldest son, was made the crown prince and the successor to the throne. 
and he remained in the capital city of Chang'an to help his father run the country. So now you've got this more militant-minded Li Shimin, who's out and about China killing rebels, and this more administrative-minded Li Jiancheng, focusing more on politics and governing the country rather than fighting. It was here that their ideals started to deviate, and it was here that their relationship also started to deteriorate. Li Shimin, because of his achievements in fighting and crushing the rebels, grew in popularity and power, and a spark was lit in his head to one day become emperor himself. And the main person he knew that was standing in his way was his own big brother, Li Jiancheng. Li Jiancheng also sensed that Li Shimin had ambitions to become crown prince and eventually the emperor. And so Li Jiancheng himself began building his own connections and power base, including getting his younger brother, Li Yuanji, to his side, as well as many of the concubines in the palace. In the year 619, barely two years into the new dynasty, Li Shimin's most trusted advisor, Liu Wenjing, was executed by Emperor Gaozu Li Yuan on the grounds of treason. Li Shimin wasn't too happy with his father about this. Whilst there are no records of Li Jiancheng on this matter, he most likely supported his father's decision in executing the official, as the emperor would consult the crown prince on these types of large matters. This was the first incident which sparked something in Li Shimin's head, making him think, Li Jiancheng's not on my side, he's probably going to undermine me. A few years later, in the summer of the year 624, there was another incident. Emperor Gaozu was relaxing in his summer palace, when he was informed that Li Jiancheng was sending plate armour to a nearby commander named Yang Wengan. This was against the law. Plate armour was considered weaponry, and only the emperor was able to authorise the movement of weaponry across the country. An act of sending plate armour like this most likely meant that someone was starting a rebellion. And the emperor was also informed that the delivery of this plate armour was because the crown prince, Li Jiancheng, wanted to raise an army with Yang Wengan to rebel against the emperor. The emperor was very furious at the crown prince for doing this, and so he summoned his second son, Li Shimin, and ordered him to quash the rebellion, promising him that after he quashed the rebellion, he would make Li Shimin the crown prince instead. And Yang Wengan indeed raised an army with an intent to attack, but Li Shimin quashed that rebellion within four days. Yang Wengan himself was killed by his own men. So it was all over really quickly, but when Li Shimin came back to the palace, he wasn't made crown prince. The emperor didn't acknowledge his promise. Instead, one of Li Shimin's own advisors, along with a couple of Li Jiancheng's advisors, were exiled as punishment. So what was going on? Well, what happened was, Li Jiancheng was punished for moving those weapons without his father's permission, 
but was exonerated from causing a rebellion because he actually had no clue that Yang Wenggan would raise the troops. Yang Wenggan actually raised those troops because an informant was actually sent, allegedly by Li Shimin, to incite Yang Wenggan to attack. And the informants who informed the emperor that Li Jiancheng was moving the plate armour also was allegedly bribed by Li Shimin to also say that Li Jiancheng was also going to cause a rebellion. So the emperor realised that from this investigation, Li Shimin might have had something to do with this whole thing. But because he didn't have any concrete evidence, and because he quashed a rebellion, he couldn't punish him either. And likewise, he realised that Li Jiancheng was innocent in this whole thing. So in the end, he decided just to exile some of the advisors and keep everything as the status quo. But this event was big for Li Shimin, because he realised now that his father could literally give something to him and take something away from him at the same time. And he also knew that if he ever wanted to be crown prince, he'd have to take much more drastic measures. And it wasn't as if Li Jiancheng also didn't try to, you know, oust his younger brother. In early 626, the nomadic Tuojue, or also known as the Gokturks, attacked the northern border of the Tang Empire. Usually, Li Shimin, being the best military commander, would have been chosen to lead the fight against the Tuojue. However, this time, the emperor ordered Li Yuanji to lead the attack instead, and take with him all of Li Shimin's generals. Li Shimin was confused, but it was actually a ploy created by Li Jiancheng, who planned to use this opportunity to get rid of Li Shimin's generals during this campaign. Remember, Li Shimin is the more militant-minded person, so a lot of his power actually comes from the generals that he has fought with. So, Li Jiancheng knew that Li Shimin's generals, his military people, were his backbone. This worried Li Shimin, knowing that without his generals by his side, he would be vulnerable. And what further worried him was that a plot had been uncovered that Li Jiancheng was actually planning on assassinating Li Shimin. Although historians have said that it is unlikely that Li Jiancheng would have wanted to kill his younger brother. He was the crown prince. He had enough power to become the emperor. He didn't need to take drastic measures like that. And it was also recorded that Li Jiancheng Whilst he didn't like his younger brother, he was still a very family-oriented man, and he wouldn't be willing to kill his younger brother, and instead he would have preferred using political methods such as ousting him or exiling him, instead of killing him. But Li Shimin, on the other hand, felt he was being pushed to the brink, and he knew he had to take very drastic measures. Now let's fast forward now to the Xuanwu Gate incident then. Now with all the background information, all of you are probs like, it all makes sense now. Li Jiancheng and Li Yuanji watched stunned as Li Shimin draws an arrow and aims it straight at his older brother. Li Jiancheng is still in shock as Li Shimin releases the arrow at him. 
As he watches the arrow fly straight into his heart, perhaps Li Jiancheng is thinking, what the hell did I do to deserve all of this? He was the eldest son, the rightful heir to the throne. He worked hard, did all he could for the benefit of the Tang Empire and his people, and despite the chances he had to get rid of his younger brother, he always had the heart to spare him. And to think he'd end up having to get up this early with his younger brother to explain to his father why he was secretly getting intimate with the palace concubines, which was absolutely ridiculous. And at this point, he probably realised it was all Li Shimin's doing. He was the one who had spread the fake news to his father that his older and younger brother had been messing around, when in reality, none of it was actually true. It was all part of the plan. The plan to lure Li Jiancheng and Li Yuanji out. A plan to lure them out to the outskirts of the Xuanwu Gate, where Li Shimin had already paid off the watchtower guard and lay in hiding with his men, ready to land that final blow on his brothers. But it was too late for Li Jiancheng, who was struck by the arrow and fell off his horse, dead. Li Yuanji tried his best to aim his arrow at Li Shimin, but three times he tried to load his arrow, three times he was unable to. Overcome with the surprise attack, the nerves, and perhaps hesitation at killing his own brother. It was at this point, one of Li Shimin's generals, Yu Chi Jingde, charged out from the shadows with a group of soldiers and shot an arrow straight at Li Yuanji killing him as well. With that, in just minutes, it was over. Li Shimin had killed both of his brothers. With his two brothers gone, Li Shimin's next greatest task was to face his father, Emperor Gaozu. General Yu Chi Jingde was sent to meet the Emperor Gaozu and explained to the Emperor that Li Jiancheng and Li Yuanji had planned to rebel against the Emperor, and that him and Li Shimin had quashed that rebellion and killed both of them. Many are of the opinion that at that point, Emperor Gaozu knew that this so-called rebellion that Yu Chi Jingde was saying was a complete lie, and that Li Shimin had planned all of this. But he knew that there was no point. Two of his sons were now dead, and it was clear that Li Shimin now held all of the power. So it was futile to fight against this tide. Even one of his advisors, Chen Shuda, said to the emperor, Jiancheng Yuanji didn't do much anyway. They were jealous of Li Shimin and tried to stab him in the back. It's good that they are now gone. Obviously he doesn't completely mean that, but it's his way of saying subtly, we have to move on from this incident, even if we know the truth, because otherwise, we'll just get more trouble. Li Jiancheng's men also had heard about the incident that their prince was getting killed, and they came to his aid. But when they saw the severed heads of both Li Jiancheng and Li Yuanji, they also realised it was futile as well, and they laid down their weapons to Li Shimin. And with that, Li Shimin was now the only person that was able to succeed 
the throne of the Tang Dynasty. A couple of months after this incident, Emperor Gaozu retired as emperor. Knowing that his son was way too powerful to stop, and perhaps he was just sick and tired of all the games and politics of being emperor. Li Shimin took the throne in the year 618 and became known as the famous Emperor Taizong of Tang. And Emperor Taizong is known as one of the greatest emperors in Chinese history, especially for the golden era of China, known as the reign of the Zhengguan a period of Tang China that was powerful, peaceful, and prosperous. However, the relationship between Emperor Gaozu and his son Li Shimin deteriorated after the Xuanwu Gate incident, and there were many times where Gaozu blatantly refused to see his son. I mean, I wonder why. In the end, Gaozu died in the year 635, full of grief and loneliness as the retired emperor. There is no doubt that Li Shiming, Tang Taizong, was a capable individual. But some have also said that his desire to rule the country well was also partially motivated by his acts during the Xuanwu Gate incident. Because he knew that obviously killing his own blood brothers wasn't the most glorious thing in the world. And he believed the only way for people to forget about all this was to do heaps of more good and greater things so that people would remember him more for the good things he did rather than the bad. My view is that from a nature standpoint, what Li Shimin did was evil. However, one can say that if he didn't do it, he wouldn't have become emperor and a golden age may not have occurred in China during that period of time. Maybe that is true, but by no means was Li Jiancheng incapable of becoming an emperor himself. A lot of historical accounts portray Li Jiancheng as some lazy and sleazy guy who liked playing around with women and getting drunk all the time. But in the view of many historians, and in my view as an amateur historian, that isn't accurate. Obviously, Li Shimin had to paint his own older brother in this way to justify why he was the rightful emperor and not his older brother, who was actually the rightful successor. Because otherwise, if he said, oh, Li Jiancheng was great, then the people would wonder, then why did you kill him to become emperor yourself? He obviously had to say that his brother was really bad. In reality, Li Jiancheng was actually just as capable to rule the country as Li Shimin. But, perhaps what he lacked was the ruthlessness that his younger brother had. Because otherwise, why was he killed by his younger brother, and not the other way around? I think my takeaway from this is that humans are a product of their environment. The fact that they were vying for the throne meant that they could cast their familial ties aside and fight to the death. Had these three brothers just been, like, in an ordinary family, they might have all gotten along as brothers, and you know, played backyard cricket together, although that gets really competitive sometimes, it ends up in death as well. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> so yeah, that was it. That's the end of the episode of the Xuanwu Gate Incident. 
I hope you all enjoyed this podcast and learned something new. Don't forget to subscribe to my podcast right now if you haven't already. Follow my Instagram and visit my website. And also don't forget to leave a review on my podcast from whichever platform you're listening to. And I also just want to thank everyone again for continuing to tune into my podcast and supporting me from wherever you are in this world or in some other world. I really appreciate it. Thanks so much, peeps. Alright, I've talked for heaps long today. My mouth's getting dry and I just want to get a drink of water now. So I'm going to end the episode here. Thanks again, everyone, for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of your day or evening, and I'll see you all next time on the Bamboo History Podcast. Bye for now.